0: The Women's Football Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Shot. More than just a sports brand, it's a movement. At Shot, we believe in empowering the underdog and bringing sport to every corner of the community. Introducing Shot Kicks, enriching lives through football, starting right from the grassroots. Now launching in East Cambridgeshire, Shot Kicks offers football sessions for children from reception to year nine, and we're kicking off with a special focus on girls' football. But that's not all. SHOT Lifestyle blends the spirit of sport into everyday fashion and soon SHOT Clubhouse will be the go-to digital home for athletes and fans alike. Join the team at shotclubhouse.com and you can get 10% off with us when you use the code TWFPXSHOT. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.
1: Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Her Game 2 and Shot Clubhouse. I'm Luke Edwards and joining us this week we have freelance football writer Hannah Pinnock. Hello Hannah. Hiya. We also have sports analyst and head of women's football at Total Analysis. It's David Astle. He's back with us. Hello David. Hi Luke. Also joining us we have got Reading FC's Ava Koykin. Hello Ava. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And most of all, how how are you? Because obviously you're out at the minute with your ACL injury. Just tell us how your progress is going on that.
2: That's going well, thank you. I had surgery about five months ago, so um, yeah, just mainly in the gym. Started running about a month ago, so yeah, in the right place, moving slowly along.
1: So it was the final round of group games in the Champions League. Bran, Barcelona and Slavia Prague all struck dramatic late goals as 20 flew in on the final night of the group stage. It was a crazy game in Group A. Lucy Bronze headed a last gasp equaliser for the group winners Barcelona in a thriller, though the hopes holders of a second 18-point campaign after 2021-22 were dashed by a stirring Benfica recovery. The second place team, Benfica, they were hosting at Barcelona and they were already assured of a first quarter final. They were heading for a remarkable victory following Bronze's 81st minute own goal, but the England defender then made amends when she headed in a corner deep in added time. Barcelona, who had won all 22 games they've played this season, conceding only four goals in total, were 2-0 up after 20 minutes through Caroline Graham-Hansen and Patrick Guiaro before Maria Aladoui stuck twice to level at the break. Graeme Hansen made it 3-2 early in the second half, but Jessica Silva's exquisite finish on 71 minutes level matters, and it set up the grandstand finish. And the other game in the group saw Eintracht Frankfurt finish third, as they comfortably beat Rosengard 5-0. Group B winners Leon had not been denied victory at home in all competitions this season, but an inspired display from goalkeeper Olivier Lukasova and a last gasp equaliser helped third place Slavia come away from the OL Stadium with a draw against the team that had beaten them 9 0 in Prague on match day one. Brown were heading into their debut quarterfinal draw, given confidence by a hard fought comeback win. Having fallen behind to Saira Matner's early scrambled finish from close range, Justine Keeland drill, drilled in a deserved leveler after 20 minutes. And the snow was falling. In Norway, it was Keelan's free kick which allowed Emily Eichland to nod in during stoppage time to give Bran a victory. Group C, we've picked that out in the past as being really exciting. We previewed that on the pod the other week and it didn't disappoint. It was a dramatic late-on goal from Roma's Zara Kramazar. It was enough to make Ajax. The first quarter-finalist for the Netherlands since 2006-2007 and Roma needed a win for any chance of progress. Captain Elise Bittoli had handed her team the lead. On the stroke of half-time, tiny Heukstra equalised for the hosts, and both sides had the chance to get a winner. But Sherida Spitzay's 84th-minute corner was headed into her own net by Kramsar to settle a thrilling contest and ensure Ajax progress, regardless of the result in Munich. Because Munich and PSG met over in Germany, and they were both aiming to reach a six straight quarter final. But only Paris Saint Germain will be in the knockout phase as they secured first place in a game of twists and turns. Julia Gwyn headed in Gloidos Viegs flick to put Bayern in front at half time on a night when only victory would ensure progress for the home team. Tabitha Chawingra pounced on a defensive slip with 17 minutes to go to level and send Bayern down to provisional third place, only for then for Sydney Lohman to almost immediately head in a Clara Ball cross and put them straight back into first. With Ajax going ahead, now Paris needed to score again, and with two minutes left, Sandy Baltimore's drive was turned into her own net by Bayern's Georgia Stanway. Bayern now pushed frantically, and Ivana Damnovich had an effort ruled out for offside just before time ran out, which made it a pretty breathless Group D, uh, Group C. Group D a bit more straightforward. Haken are through to their first quarter final since 2012 when they were still known as Gothenburg FC. They got victory and already eliminated Real Madrid. And Paris FC began the night knowing victory against the confirmed group winners, Chelsea, combined with Haken dropping points, would take them through. Instead, Chelsea were really clinical and they finished their Group D campaign unbeaten with a comfortable away win. David, that
3: was a, a dramatic, last
1: day of the group stages in the Champions League.
3: It was. Um, there were twists and turns in pretty much every single group. Um, even the ones where, where you know, teams were already qualified and it didn't really matter. There were still twists and turns and plenty to enjoy. Um, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a really, really interesting um, round of action. And, and yes, yeah, some surprise results, some great performances.
1: So the quarterfinals draw, we're recording this on the Monday. The draw takes place on the Tuesday. What do you think then? Because obviously you're looking at the seeded teams. They're the great winners. They will play the runners-up of the unseeded teams. So you'd expect the seeded teams to have enough for the unseeded teams to get 3 wouldn't you?
3: Yeah, you would. Um I mean, you look at say so Barcelona, Lyon, PSG, Chelsea—the four seeded teams—you'd expect them to probably be the the ones to go through. But you know, as this Champions League has shown, particularly you know the qualifiers and then the, the group stages, anything can happen, and you just don't know until the the match gets going. So you know, it, it could—it's quite feasible that you could find an Ajax or a a Brand or or a you know whoever. In, in the next round, and and um, it would be great to see it because it would really kind of throw it open and provide some um, you know fresh names if you like into into the last four.
1: So of course the, the the can't face each other. You've been in the groups of example, Chelsea can't face Hacken. So you've got Chelsea can face Benfica, Brandt or Ajax. You're looking at it. You'd probably be hoping for Ajax, I think, if you're Chelsea, wouldn't you? Because they're the sort of quarterfinal debutants.
3: They are, although they, they certainly won't be an easy team. And I think they, they play quite an, a progressive style um, of football. They kind of like to win the ball high at the pitch and then kind of kind of make things happen. And we saw that in the opening day against um, PSG that, you know, when they win the ball, they can make things happen. Um, I think the key player for them is Lily Johannes in the midfield because she's sort of the one who, who wins the ball. And then it's up to, you know, the likes of Chastity Grant and. Uh, Ashley Weirden, who can play left-back but can play further forward and, and obviously Ramee Luchter as well, and uh, Antony Hookstree you mentioned. Um, you know, those players then kind of come alive, but Lily Johannes is the one that kind of makes everything tick. But, um, you know, they will be a tough team. Brown will be a tough team because they play wing-backs, so that's always tricky to try and find a way through, particularly with Chelsea playing wing-backs. They might change their style if they get um, Brown. Um And Benfica as well, you know, showed against Barcelona what they're made of. And they've got quality players as well. Jessica Silva, uh, Mary Yasmin Aladou as well. um, Kiki Nazare as well. Um, So they've got some great players as well. So, yeah, whoever Chelsea get is going to be a tough draw.
1: Hannah Martin-Holmes in charge at Bran. And um, I know a lot of Man United fans think that he was potentially the brains behind the operation. And a lot of calling for him to come back. So, as David said, if... if, uh, you get brand. They're probably the toughest out of the unseeded teams, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I mean, but as as David was saying, I I don't think there's any any easy draw really. Um, but from Chelsea's perspective, at least it's it's a huge opportunity to you know hopefully go deep in the Champions League. And you know, given that it's Emma's last season, what what a way to sign off that would be if if they can finally get the one trophy that, that sort of always eluded them.
1: We're going to look at the domestic action then. It was a really interesting day in the WSL. Chelsea remained top, but there was two controversial penalties which saw them on the way to the comfortable 3-0 win that they gained over Everton. It was toughest defender Claire Wheeler at the centre of it and Gora Wrighton coolly converted both penalties before Aaron Cuthbert finished a wonderful team move. fire home a late third, as Chelsea claimed a record-extending 22nd successive WSL home win. Um, Ava, as a player, that must really frustrate you um, when you get decisions like that. They looked soft penalties, didn't they?
2: Yeah, I think as a player, you win some, you lose some. So as frustrating as it is, I'm sure there's another time that you'll probably get something you don't deserve. So you just kind of have to take it as it comes.
1: It was interesting, actually. There was a couple of memes on the on Twitter, like dressing up um, the referee in a Chelsea kit and stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> there obviously are other clubs biased there. I mean, Dave, David, what did you, David, Hannah, what did you make of those decisions and the game in general?
3: I mean, you can't really look at the penalties and think they weren't a bit soft. Um, the first one was. First was probably the one that you could understand to getting it a bit wrong because it did look like she got the ball, but it was so quick and and she did perhaps follow through a little bit with getting the ball and then taking the foot out. But so that's that's when you kind of understand getting wrong. But it did look like she got the ball first. But the second one, I just think that was nowhere near a penalty because you know it, there was minimal contact, if any, and and yeah, they they both looked quite soft. But um yeah, I, th- I think Chelsea. Probably Chelsea fans would admit, and sorry to end listening, but I think they probably admit that both penalties probably were not penalties on balance.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I actually felt for Everton quite a lot because, you know, to perform, you know, and, and push Chelsea as much as they did and to kind of be undone by two penalties, obviously Aaron Cuthbert got another goal late on, but, you know, they, they were extremely soft. The first one... You'd think you'd use a little bit of common sense there that that the the forwards, but wasn't there until the ball had already been played. So I I don't know what she's supposed to do there. And and the second one that I thought I thought as well was incredibly soft. I, I think it was Myra that, that went down and um maybe from the referee's angle because the defender was sliding sort of into it. But that when you actually look at, look at it back, there was such minimal contact and then. Brian Sorensen was sent off as well and and I was trying to find out what he was actually sent off for but apparently it was dissent around the sessions. but you know fans seemed to think that he was trying to there was confusion because the wrong numbers or you know that was all wrong and that that seemed absolutely bizarre as well but obviously I can understand why fans would be annoyed because when when you look at who the referee was and, and what happened in that ridiculous game against Manchester City it, it kind of feels like that's two games where Chelsea have been dealt a, a huge favour um, from the official but you know in terms of a title race that, that's what Chelsea do that they're, they're able to to scrape out those wins when you know they might not always deserve it but that's you know why they're champions and, and why they've been champions for, for so long
1: and Hannah, Ever- Everton have been more bad than good this season. It kind of sums it up that Megan Finnegan is their uh, one of their top scorers this season with two.
0: Yeah, but I, I, it has been a tough tough season for Everton, I think, you know, by by their standards and, and where they were last season, sort of pushing for that best of the rest spot with Villa, you know, to be sort of in that bottom end of the table, not, you know, quite in a relegation fight, because I think Bristol City have just been by far probably the worst team and, and the points totals kind of already show that. But from, from Everton's point of view, it, it you know, I, I think they have done been undone a little bit by sort of teams coming in for their big players, obviously Gabby George getting snapped up by Man United right at the end of the transfer window when they've not got any chance to sort of replace her. And then obviously Chelsea come in swooping for, for Natalie Bion as well. Um, and it's just from yeah from their perspective, it's it's probably tough. But you know they have been able to pick up some some positive results um along the way. Obviously that they, they always seem to manage to get a result against Liverpool at Anfield. So, um you know from that perspective, it's um yeah they're it, it's not all doom and gloom. I would say, but um they're definitely not not where they would want to be, but. I'm sure they can probably take a fair bit of heart from that performance against Chelsea, that even though they were up against it and all these decisions went against them, it was two dubious penalties and a very late goal. So um from when you look at it from that way, that there's plenty to build on.
1: Manchester City left it late at the joy, Stadium to see off Leicester City. It looked like it was going to be a frustrating afternoon for Gareth Taylor's side. But then spectacular late strikes from Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly ended Leicester's dogged resistance. We'll get on to why this was a vital victory shortly. But David, it's a different Man City this season, isn't it? They may well have only drawn that type of game last season.
3: They may have done. And... um... I think it was sort of reminiscent of how they played Leicester before. They sort of inverted the wingers a little bit. So Kelly played on the left, Hemp on the right for a little bit of it. And um, that kind of allowed Cody to cut inside. So um, so that gave them a bit of extra, extra threat. Whereas if they're playing the opposite way, then they tend to stay wide and focus on crossing balls and kind of stretching the play. So, and let's say they've done that before against Leicester when it hasn't worked with just staying wide. So. Um, yeah, for me, I think they have found a way of playing Leicester, and they they stick to it now. And and uh, yeah, the the win against Leicester at the weekend was kind of kind of showed how effective that can be. So um, yeah, certainly a a big win for them, a much needed one, as you said. And Ava, um,
1: looking at it from both sides, if you're Man City, you look to be patient, don't you, and get your flair players to work the magic. And if you're Leicester, you probably just look to try and frustrate them for as long as possible, and and hopefully come out with something.
2: Yeah, sounds about right. I think that story of how a lot of the top teams go against the more medium teams in the league. I think Leicester aren't the team to completely park the bus, but they um, are frustrating enough for Man City, and they've brought in a lot more quality compared to what they had last season. So you can really see that and how they're competing against these top teams. So yeah, definitely a frustrating team to play against.
1: When when you when you play a team like that, Ava, and like you you know you probably better than them it's and it doesn't quite happen for you say in the first 20-25 minutes is is it difficult not to get frustrated how is it just a case of you've got to say right we're keeping calm we've got to keep playing the way we're playing
2: yeah I think it's definitely frustrating and when you can see they're trying to get an early goal that's often when it doesn't come so I think the more more patient the team is the more likely it's going to come in in the end especially because a team like Man City is probably going to be fitter than a team like Leicester so I think if these teams are just patient keep the ball tie them out and they can potentially score a goal towards the end of the game but yeah when they get frustrated the game gets a bit more scrappy which is probably what a team like Leicester wants to make it a bit more into like a dogged dogged fight rather than a, a game of like quality football because obviously Man City's going to come up on top in that type of game.
1: Hannah Leicester they'll be satisfied with their season after 13 games won't they?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird
0: one because I've spoken a lot about how bad of a season Villa are having and then, you know, they're on the exact same points of, as, as Leicester and Leicester seemingly having one of one of their best seasons. But just looking at the sort of the stats from, from that game against City, I, th- I think Winnicott might be a little bit frustrated with it, more in the sense that they had one shot and none on, none on target, which defensively the fact that it took until the 80th minute for for City to get anything you know says a lot about their defensive resilience and and that's something that we know that that Leicester can do they can be tough to break down at times but particularly at earlier points in the season I think you know the way that they've sort of proven that they can almost go toe-to-toe with the best obviously going to Lee Sports Village and Opening the score and then coming away with a point. And then when City came to the King Power earlier in the season, it, it, it was a 1-0 win to City, but Leicester looked like they could score with almost every attack that they had. And it was almost baffling that that they didn't score. So for this game, for it to be so pr- practically one-sided. And don't get me wrong, City can do that to you. You know, they are one of the best teams in the league for, for a reason. And, you know, they are dominant, but Leicester have shown particularly this season what they are capable of in possession and how they can hurt teams. So I think to come away from that with, you know, the one attempt and, and no shots on target, I think will be a little bit frustrating. And, and hopefully that's something that they can put right next week.
1: Chelsea versus Manchester City is the next game in the WSL. It's on the 16th of February. I was at the reverse fixture. Manchester City were, were really hard done by. And as you mentioned earlier, Hannah, it was the same referee and, uh, With them only being three points behind, City will feel motivated to win this one, won't they?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you kind of look at the title race at the moment. And for me, at least, I think those are the two that that will be able to push until the end. Obviously, Arsenal got that huge upset against West Ham over the weekend. And Man United have been a little bit too inconsistent for me this season, whereas City have almost not necessarily come out of nowhere because you'd almost expect them to be there or thereabouts, but given that they were a little bit off it last season, the fact that they've sort of had that resurgence is, has been really impressive and, and I do sort of back them as the team that that will be able to push Chelsea, you know, until the end. And and that fixture is absolutely huge, I think, in terms of the context of of the title race and the season, that it, if City can almost get that win and, and sort of match the points that, you know, that Chelsea are on and, and then it's sort of all to play for, really. So um, the only thing really that I think could sort of derail City's season, obviously, with, with the injuries and, and Jill Ward, um picking up that ACL injury, you know, that is a huge, huge gap in in their team now and and whether or not they'll be able to sort of manage that across the entirety of the second half of the season, you know, might be the one thing that you can sort of see holding City back in that sense.
1: The big shock of the weekend came down in Dagenham as Arsenal suffered defeat to West Ham. Alessio Russo I put the Gunners ahead on at 47 minutes, but there was an equaliser from the penalty spot from Viv Asai. And the winner came from Hawa Sissoko. And um, David, where did this result come from?
3: Um, I, I think there's two things, really. One, I think Arsenal just weren't themselves in front of goal. They missed quite a few chances, um, you know, heading over the bar and things like that. Meadmar obviously unlucky to hit the bar as well. Um, and two, I think West Ham's new signings turned up. I think Gori played really well in midfield, kind of controlled things. Um, I think the, the player to really make a name for herself in in the you know, this, this is the game where we really kind of saw what she could do. It was Honoka Hayashi, the, the Japanese midfielder. Um there were so many occasions where she was kind of getting back and making tackles and shielding her back line and then, you know, pushing forward and threading balls, you know, through the lines and, and kind of being really progressive. So uh, she, for me, was the one standout. But, yeah, it was it was the, the whole team performance. You know, you, Howard Sissoko making defensive blocks, um, Riku Iwaki pushing forward as well. So, um, yeah, it, it was... And Viva Say was fantastic. I should mention her as well. But it was the whole team performance. But, yeah, so I think it was the... The, you know, the the collective, if you like, um, that got them there. But they, they deserved the win in the end because they were brilliant.
1: And you've got to give credit, haven't you, David, to Ryan Skinner. She did to strengthen in the January window. And like you, like you said, she's um, she's done that now and it's brought other teams into it, hasn't it, at the bottom?
3: Yeah, it has. And, you know, we were kind of looking at, at the start of the window and saying what do West Ham need? Where where on earth are they going to find the quality that we all know they need? And they've gone out and found it. You know, Christy Mewis is a great player, box-to-box player. Gorry's a great six. Um, you know they've they've, all over the place they've added the quality that they've needed and now they look like a a better team so yeah absolutely they've dragged others into it because you can't count them out of much at the moment Hannah, Jonas
1: Eideval said afterwards it's a frustrating lesson and we have seen a bit of flakiness from Arsenal at times this season haven't we?
0: Yeah they've not quite been you know what, what you'd expect obviously starting the season with that you know, disappointing defeat to to Liverpool at the Emirates. You know, it's sort of got off on the wrong foot, and and they have been, you know, similar to Man United, a, a little bit inconsistent. Um, and and that's what will cost them, um, ultimately in in terms of the title race. But um, from from West Ham, West Ham's perspective, um, you know, David's absolutely right. You know, huge sort of team effort to sort of get a result against you know one of the giants of the league. It you know sometimes we underestimate how difficult that can be sometimes. And from West Ham's perspective in terms of, of that battle for survival at the bottom of the table, it's absolutely huge because, you know, the winnable game against a sort of relegation rival against Everton sort of in 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 the, in the next league game. And, um, you know, if they can win that and sort of gain a little bit of midway, then then that would be massive for them. But yeah, hu- hugely disappointing from Arsenal and, and and sort of not really what you'd expect. And, um, you know, their next league game is <laughs> at home to Man United. So in if they're to have any hope, really, both them and Man United to sort of keep the pace with City and Chelsea for those two teams... That is a must win game and a, and, a, and another huge game in terms of not maybe just keeping tabs in the title race, but also the fight for Champions League football as well.
1: And, and Ava, Leah Williamson's first start back after her ACL in this game. And, and that must give you inspiration and motivation, mustn't it?
2: Yeah, 100%. I was at the game where she made her debut against Reading last week. So it's great to see her coming back. I think when it happens to you, you know, it's a really long road to recovery. But to kind of see the moment where all the hard work comes into fruition is amazing. And yeah, it's a hard path, but seeing such high profile big players go along, it kind of is reassuring in a sense.
1: When, when you're in the players' tunnel then afterwards, you, do you kind of tap her up for her experiences, how she gets through it, stuff like that?
2: Yeah, I think um, obviously because she has such a big profile that she did a lot of interviews so kind of saw throughout what she was getting up to. But like She kind of did a lot of things outside of football to use the time productively. So that's that's obviously good for her. And then, yeah, I think I think she, it wasn't a secret that it was hard for her mentally. I think she, obviously she missed out on the World Cup. So that, yeah, that must have been really difficult. But yeah, she looks great coming back.
1: Uh, Man United won 2-0 in early kick on Sunday. Two goals from Nikita Paris saw United win comfortably, but it still left Mark Skinner wanting more. Brighton had Mikey Harrison caretaker charge after Mel Phillips had been sacked during the week. And the result for Manchester United means that they remain in fourth. Brighton are now second bottom. And Hannah, Nikita Barris has been so important to United this season, hasn't she?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think in a season, you know, like we've mentioned before, where they have been a little bit inconsistent in in that respect, Nikita's probably been, been one of few that have, you know, consistently stepped up, I would say. So, yeah, I mean, I can understand why, you know, given... You know why Mark Skinner would be after more in in that sense, given where Brighton are in the table. But also, I guess the turmoil with sacking the manager and having a care you know caretaker in charge for the time being. It's sort of you you would expect you know United that to sort of be more of a a walkover, I would say. But then at the same time, when you know where Brighton are at, you know having the manager sacked midweek, it, it those are the kind of things that might be able to spur players on and are really encourage them to to dig deep and, and sort of give it everything and, and leave everything out there and I suppose that's sort of what Brighton did but yeah it's from yeah United's perspective Nikita has been one of the more impressive players this season and you know if they are to sort of push for Champions League football and make sure that they can secure it again they'll need her to, to keep stepping up and, and keep performing.
1: And Ava, Jay say she drew praise from her manager saying her pace is difficult to deal with. Now, if you were in that position, how, how would you deal with her?
2: Yeah, with her pace?
1: I'll um, just deal with her pace and her in general.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely a tough one. I'm sure if um, people knew the answers to that, they would have done it. But um, yeah, I think if you know you're not as quick as someone, you've got to kind of give them a few extra yards, read it a bit better, force them onto their bad foot, that kind of thing yeah, she's definitely
1: been a handful. I, I, and kick him as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <You> frustrate them.
1: <laughs> David, Brighton's the second bottom after that defeat, as I mentioned. Was the Mel Phillips dismissal a bit of a shock for you?
3: Um, I think what surprised me the most was the timing of it. Um, I think you look at the results and you you accept that things haven't been going well for them. But they've been on, on this long-term you know progression plan which they've all been talking about which does take time and for me it was the fact that they stacked to the day after the transfer window ended so she's now signed players that wants that she wanted that would have fitted her system and the next coach might not like those players so um you know it, it kind of doesn't make sense in that in 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 that case and, and um yeah it was just it was just the timing for me I mean I, I did an ask recently kind of looking at the you know, the, the reasons for, the reasons against. And, and it's 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 a weird one. You can see both sides for it. But, yeah, it's just the timing for me. Like, you know, and now you've got a new coach potentially coming in before the end of the season. They'll be exactly where they were when Mel Phillips came in. They'll, they'll have their few months and then they'll look ahead to next season. But for me, they have to get the next one right because they've now had, I think, four people in charge since Hope Powell left, or three people since Hope Powell left. Um, So they have to get the next one right, otherwise they're going to end up sort of spiraling towards the bottom even more than they are now. So Bristol City, they
1: took on Aston Villa on Saturday. They had initially closed the gap to West Ham to two points before West Ham's victory on Sunday. And Bristol City got a good 2-2 draw away at the Bescott Stadium at Aston Villa, thanks to Carrie Jones' long-range strike. And Hannah, sometimes in the WSL, we see a team at the bottom who are adrift, but this isn't the case with Bristol City at the minute. It's only five points, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's... it's... A bit of a, a mad season in in that respect with sort of how many teams are, are sort of down there, but um yeah, it's, uh, from Villa's perspective at least, I, th- I think that's a very disappointing um result. You know, at home twice going ahead and then twice being pegged back. It's kind of been the story of a Villa season, but it's 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 tough for Bristol City. I mean, it's always tough for the teams coming up from the Championship. You know, we know that 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 tends to be the trend in, in the WSL, but um they they've consistently shown that resilience and consistently sort of shown that fight and, and what they're a- they're able to achieve with some of their home performances as well. The fact that they are rooted at the bottom of the table and have, have struggled to sort of get themselves off it for, for the entirety of, of the season will be incredibly frus- be incredibly frustrating for them because you know they they haven't been absolutely dreadful this season, but the fact that They've secured so little points, will will be incredibly frustrating. So who knows? Maybe you know that Carrie Jones goal, as as she sort of helped Leicester last season, um, maybe that could be the difference. You know, if if Bristol City are to sort of mount any kind of comeback, it's it's definitely possible. I mean, when you look at the points tally that that Leicester had to overcome last season, um, whether or not Bristol City sort of have, um. I guess the, the financial backing really is as well, because I think that was a big reason Leicester were able to to do what they did. Um, I'm not sure Bristol City sort of have that. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a a bit of a, a mad sort of situation at the bottom of the table because there are realistically up until about seventh that that could, if results go wrong, get dragged into that. And the more that Bristol City are able to sort of pick up these results here and there, the more that, that the other teams can get dragged into it and, and the more they increase their chances of, of potentially staying up. But given that it is kind of six points, I think it is at the minute between them and, and Brighton, it it is, it is does make for kind of grim reading. But um, who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened <laughs> in this league.
1: David, it's another frustrating result for Villa though, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, I do think things are starting to pick up for them like Hannah said, they're still too inconsistent. They're still, you know, throwing away too many leads and things like that. Um, But I do want to give a mention to Adriana Leon because I think in the last few weeks, actually, she's been their best player. Um, Perhaps not the one that's taken the headlines, but certainly she's one that's made them tick and, you know, cutting inside her ability to deliver balls, to, um, you know, get into goal-scoring positions. I think she's actually been really effective for them and, and will be a key player as they try and, you know, finish with some kind of positivity. But yeah, as Hannah said, absolutely, Um, it's it's not been a great season for them and not season anyone expected of them. But perhaps it's, you know, they're, they're a, um, I don't know, just because they did so well last season that everyone expected them to kind of go on and do the same thing. And actually, because they overachieved last season, that perhaps this is more what they, they are capable of, if you like, is that sort of mid-table-ish finish. So perhaps when you look at it that way, they're only doing what, what they're kind of would expect would be expected to do it's only because they did it did so well last season, but yeah, they're, they're still just just they they could do better when it comes to performances. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, and this game was overshadowed by the death of a spectator who was taken ill in the stands. And all of us here at the podcast send our thoughts and prayers to that person's family. The final game we'll look at then is Liverpool's draw at home to Spurs. The Reds manager Matt Beard praised his side's character in this one as Marie Hübinger. Scored an injury time equaliser to cancel out Selena Bizet's opener on 71 minutes. So both these sides remain a place, a place apart, and also level on points. Hannah Matt's bids praise for his side will also have some frustration in it, won't it? Because with the win, they could have kept pressure on Man United in fourth. But we mentioned about a five point gap. That that's what the gap is now to Man United.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, from Liverpool's perspective, it, it's a process, isn't it? I mean, you know, with Matt Beard coming in and, and ensuring that they get promoted back into the WSL, and then you know, staying up last season as well was 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 pivotal for them, and and now they're kind of in that spot with you know moving into to Melwood with the training ground, and you know, it it they're on certainly that upward trajectory, and and this season has been incredibly. Impressive in terms of some of the results that they've picked up. Obviously, before Christmas, getting that huge result against Man United, a huge win against Arsenal at the beginning of the season, and um, I, I think to be fair, you know, a, a draw against Tottenham, even though it's at home, is, is probably a fair result given sort of where the two teams are in the table. They're sort of the two that are battling out for that best of the rest spot this season, and, and Spurs have been incredibly impressive as well under a new manager and. And sort of Martha Thomas has, has been outstanding for them Bethany England's coming back and, and everything like that but I mean to sort of get that that stoppage time equaliser is absolutely massive for them and and what a sign in Marie Hobinger has been for, for Liverpool this season I, I think for me she's probably been their player of the season so far I, I think some of the goals that she scored in in big games in big moments has, has been massive and and she sort of is that player that that seems to always be able to step up when it counts. So, you know, it's it's. I, th- and also I think it's a signing that's
1: gone under the radar as well. Yeah,
0: it has. No, no one's really spoken about it in terms of being. I mean, maybe because you've got the the likes of Chelsea and, and Man United and Arsenal that make all these big signings and, and things like that. But yeah, I, I think maybe if it had been the other way around and they conceded sort of such a late goal, similar to how they they sort of have at other points this season that, that maybe it would be like when they concede a really late stoppage time equaliser against West Ham, if, if that had been another situation then then maybe it would be a little bit more frustrating from a Liverpool perspective but, but the fact that they've got that late equaliser and and they've able to, been able to do that I think there's more positives to take than negatives for me from, from that Liverpool perspective and and their next WSL game I would say is quite winnable Um, I mean they've got winnable games up until the end of March, really, against Brighton, Villa, West Ham and then Everton. So, um, you know, they they could quite possibly go on a run if they can start picking up some results and they've got an FA Cup game in between that as well. So, yeah, I, I think it is a very positive place for Liverpool to be at this point of the season. You know, they're not in any kind of conversation for relegation and and they're battling it out with a very good Tottenham team for that best of the rest spot, really. Well,
1: next up, we've got another crazy day in the championship. It's amazing what a difference small, simple changes can make, especially when it comes to your weight. Getting started is easier than you think with the free NHS weight loss app. It helps you to take those
0: simple steps to lose those extra pounds. Download the free app today. Better health. Let's do this.
1: Now, the championship, you cannot take your eyes off it this year. There's something happening at the top and the bottom. Let's start at the bottom as Birmingham travel to bottom side Watford. And as you know, our usual host, Kay, is a big Watford fan. And she's a, she's like Tigger today after that result. Because Darren Carter's side hadn't lost since the 17th of September in the league. However, the form but was turned upside down as two goals from highly rated Michelle Adjimang saw the Hornets claim a 2-0 win and move off the bottom. Now, on another day, Lewis's point at league leaders Charlton would have been seen as an excellent point. They actually led for the majority of the second half after Amy Claypole's goal had them ahead just before half-time. But well, eventually, the addicts found an equaliser through Teagan McGowan on 80 minutes. So that result means that Lewis. That result means that Lewis are now bottom, Charlton stay top, and David. This championship is so good this year. I'm actually more invested in it than the WSL at times.
3: I don't blame you. I don't. It's brilliant. I love watching the championship because, as you say, anything can happen, and there's so much happening. Top, bottom, middle. You know. It's a shame in a way that only one team goes up because there's so many teams you could say they've deserved to go up. They could they could go up. They could do this. They could do that. Um, yeah, it, it's brilliant. And as I said, the same, it's so much fun. And there's always good results wherever you look.
1: Now, Ava Sunderland take, came down to Reading to play your girls. And they missed an opportunity to take advantage because they lost 1 0 thanks to a goal by Madison Perry. And that's now four games four points in the last two games and you're picking up a bit of farm now after the terrible run just before Christmas.
2: Yeah, I think had a decent start to the season then it kind of dropped off and, and getting a little bit dangerously close to the relegation zone. So <laughs> obviously Reading's a big club so no one's comfortable with the situation when we knew we kind of know the position when we need to start picking up points now. I think Sunderland probably wasn't their day. I'm sure they were disappointed with the performance they gave but equally think we've been building momentum and points have kind of kind of seen them coming for a while even if we haven't got them the past few games but yeah I think we got what we deserved in the game
1: yeah and I think with the nature of the league this year as well Avery you can't afford to relax can you maybe in the past few seasons there's always a team that's adrift and you think well we can relax a little bit but you can't this season with the likes of Lewis and Watford constantly picking up points as well
2: mm-hmm. yeah so unpredictable we were um we obviously had the early kick-off so we were tracking the. Um, Lewis and Watford games after and we saw they had gone off and we are like, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you just can't predict it in the slightest. Um, yeah. Uh, equally, like we're obviously, I think five points now of the relegation zone, but we're also only a few off being mid-table. So, it's so predictable. So unpredictable. I think a lot could change between now and the end of the season.
1: And we know the goings on at the club, especially during the men's games being disrupted. I mean, how has it been for you as a squad this season? Obviously, you got relegated from the WSL. There was a lot of changes over the summer. How- How's it, how's it been in a way for, for you and as a squad?
2: Um, yeah, I think obviously there is a lot of noise at the club, but as you kind of just have to control what you can. I think all of that is largely out of our hands. So at the end of the day, we're still at the men's training ground. The facilities are unreal. We kept quite a few. It's been a, bit, a lot of turnover. But we kept quite a few players from last season. So we still have a good core of players that have played in the WSL. So I think it's kind of just a case of, trying to ignore those things that are going on, hope that the financial issues get sorted and just focus on staying up and hoping that the next year there'll be a lot more investment so the club can kind of go back to the levels that they've always been at.
1: Now that result for already meant that they leapfrog London City Lionesses. They lost at home 1-0 to Blackburn Rovers. Lucy Shepherd with the goal on 41 minutes. Crystal Palace picked up a massive two on a win away at Southampton. Island international Isabel Atkinson opened the scoring. And the goal machine is Elise Hughes. She scored her 14th for the season by adding a second goal. We see Kendall pulled one back for the Saints, but that result means that Palace leapfrogged them and go third on goal difference. At Durham, were 2-0 up at home to Sheffield United, Amy Andrews and Beth Heppel had them ahead, but a hat-trick for Izzy Goodwin, which included two penalties, plus goals from Tara Barn and Jess Sigsworth saw them run out 5-2 winners. And Hannah, that result feels like a Jonathan morgan tight weight has been lifted off the shoulders of the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, probably a very, very, very difficult time um, for the club. I it's probably been a difficult season sort of in light of that. And then, sort of everything that that's happened since. I mean, absolutely it's it's I'm sure it's been a hugely, hugely difficult time for them. Um yeah, but to to come away with a huge win against Durham, you know, is really, really impressive. And um, hat trick for Isabel Goodwin is is impressive as well. But it is it is a mad championship this season as well. I think it's sort of made even more interesting by the fact that it's it's two teams that go down this year as as opposed to just one. Obviously, with two then coming up from the national league, so it sort of adds that little bit of of interest to it. But the title race as well, the fact that five teams are are in contention for that strongly in in terms of fifth to to first is is absolutely insane um so yeah I, I know what you mean I mean I've I've mainly have covered Birmingham City and after a really really difficult start to the season that the fact that they've been able to pick up in the way that they haven't and, and go on the run that they have as well um I mean yesterday's defeat aside you know they, they are the informed team and they've got a game in hand so be interesting to see what happens there but yeah any one of those five teams could go up and and you know what a title race and, and what an end to the season we're in for.
1: Ava, you, you as a player must be loving the madness of the division this season as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's exciting. Um, Yeah, you just can't predict any game. So there's no, you, it's not like you can go into a game being complacent because look what happens when you do. So, yeah, I think it makes it a lot better. I think a lot of the, compared to the WSL, I think the teams in the Championship have a bit more similar level of investment. So it makes it a bit more of an equal playing field. So I think that adds to it as well.
1: And it's a lot more professional than it was two or three years ago in terms of you've got a lot more full-time teams in there, haven't you?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think you can see the difference in quality between now and even a few years ago, and that's con- going to continue to be the case, I think. Um don't know about every team, but most teams are full-time, so it's starting to attract international players as well. So I think it's going to start to replicate the WSL a lot more in the next few years
1: might have to end up doing a separate championship podcast at some point, might we just to go through the whole thing. Um but as Hannah mentioned, so you've got uh two teams that go down from the championship into the National League and, and you've got teams fighting to get into the championship and um, in the north it's quite tight. In that division, Nottingham Forest made it five league wins in a row. They had a big 6-0 win away at AFC Fylde. They kept the pressure on league leaders at Newcastle United. The Jardies beating Wolverhampton Wanderers 3-0, and they remain four points clear. West Bromby defeated Derby County 2-1, whilst Halifax won 5-1 at Stourbridge. And in the south, Portsmouth remained three points clear, and with a game in hand after a 1-0 win away at Ipswich. Lee to Rutherford's goal in the first minute was enough, for. Pompey to claim their 12th win of the season and Oxford United climbed to third with a 4-1 win over London Bees. Plymouth Argyle came back from 2-1 down to defeat MK Dons 4-3 as Ellie Sarah netted a hat-trick as manager Ryan Perks praised the character of the team. And finally, also good to see in the Division 1 South East, AFC Wimbledon had a record crowd of 1,410 as they scored six unanswered goals against Cambridge United and that is a record for the for a, an AFC Wimbledon women's game at the Cherry Red Records Stadium. And finally, David, you're our continental expert. Anything we should know about this weekend?
3: I mean, there were too many shocks um, around the place. Um, Roma beat Juventus. That's probably a really significant win. Well, it is a really significant win because they're the two probably the best teams in, in Italy at the moment. Um, so that, that was a, a big win for Roma because Juventus have looked kind of coming back into form a little bit. Um, Como beat uh, Inter as well in in the same league, which is which is big because Como are uh, a team kind of really they, they've had a season to remember in that they've they've taken steps forward. And Inter are above them in the table, in the third at the moment. So that's that's another big win as Como try and secure a top half um, position, because um, Serie A is one of those kind of splits halfway through. So you have got your um, title six and then your uh, relegation six. So Como try and secure a top six place. Um, And in Australia as well, there was a a bottom beating top as uh, Canberra United beat Melbourne City, um, which was which is another big win. I mean, Canberra, one of those strange teams where they they've got some really good players. They just haven't quite got the results, but they've got you might have heard of Vesna Milivojevic as well, the Serbian midfielder. She's been in fantastic form. Um, There are a few worries earlier that she might have done her ACL because she went down really, really uncomfortably, but actually it wasn't, which is really, really good news. And she's come back and she's back in form. Um, and they've got Michelle Heyman in uh, fine form as well, who's just recently uh, become, I think it was, I forget the right stat, the A-League uh, top-scoring striker of all time, or top-scoring player of all time. So, yeah, there's, there weren't too many. Um, you know, Barca Real, Atletico, um uh sorry, Barca Rail Levante won as well. So, yeah, just kind of all over the place, most most games went as expected but there are a few notable results here and
1: there well that is it thank you very much to uh, Ava David and Hannah for joining us this week if you're on social media we'd love you to give us a follow we are on Twitter at TWFP1 I am not calling it X we are on Twitter and Instagram we are at the women's football podcast so thanks very much for listening and we'll see you all next week
0: The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.